I'm going to hand over to Sally now to give us our message for today. So Sally, over to you. Well, thank you again for joining us. And I want to speak to us today from a passage in the Gospel of John. I don't know if you're taking notes or just listening, but the title for today is Sending Home a Healing. Sending Home a Healing. And if you've got your Bible, you're welcome to turn to the fourth chapter in the book of John's Gospel. That's in the New Testament. And we're looking at verses 43 to 54, and they should come up on the closed captions for you too. I'm, I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, and this is what it says. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus had said and started home. While the man was on his way home, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Now this account takes place early on in Jesus' ministry. You will remember that before the age of 30, he grew up in relative obscurity in Galilee. That's where his childhood took place. And then at the age of 30, he begins his ministry. He's baptized by John. Uh, the father opens heaven and God speaks down upon him, releases the Holy Spirit upon him and says, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in him. And from there on, Jesus begins his ministry. And you can see in this passage, and you'll remember that the first miracle Jesus ever did was right here in Cana, where he turned the water into wine. And after that, he leaves Cana, he goes up to Jerusalem to the Passover celebrations, he has the first of a few uh, conflicts with the people in the temple courts who were just changing money and selling goods and not really... Uh, in the temple for the true purpose of worshiping God. And then he begins to come back to Cana. He comes through Samaria, and that's a place that Jews used to avoid, to be honest. But Jesus goes through there, and he has that encounter with the woman at the well. And right after that, this is where this story comes in. He's back in Cana. And he understands that when you're in your hometown, that's the place where people find it hardest to recognize him as the Messiah, because they've seen him growing up as a little baby, you know, in nappies as a little toddler, learning to walk and so on. But some of these guys were at the Passover in Jerusalem, and they obviously saw something that had given them 
some faith toward Jesus. They, they, they've uh, become convinced by what they saw him doing in Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what that was. So they are welcoming him here back in Cana. Now, don't confuse uh, this official in this story with the Roman centurion whose servant is sick. This guy is a official in the palace, an administrator in the palace, and he hears that Jesus is back in Cana. So he would have, uh, this, this guy would have come from the palace of Herod Antipas, that's the son of the Herod that was on the throne when Jesus was a baby. And we know that Herod Antipas didn't really like John the Baptist and Jesus very much. John the Baptist had called him out on his immoral relationships. And so he didn't really, uh, he, he was not uh, well disposed towards uh, John the Baptist or Jesus. And this official probably heard talk about Jesus in the palace going on. So he's heard of Jesus and now he knows that he's in Cana. And uh, he, even though at this point Jesus has not done a single recorded healing miracle, this guy believes that Jesus can help him in his hour of need. And really that's where this journey starts. He believed that Jesus could help him. And I want to ask us that question today as well. Do you believe that Jesus can help you? Everything that follows hangs on how we answer that question. Do you believe that Jesus can help you? And on the basis of what he believes, this official goes to Jesus. And that's my first point today. He came believing. He came believing. Now, Jesus was 18 miles away. Capernaum and Cana are 18 miles apart. And we, we don't know how he traveled there. 18 miles doesn't sound so far, does it, in, in the days when we had our cars and could drive around a little bit more. Uh, Clive and I have been cycling a bit more in this lockdown situation. We've been trying to get out on our bikes a couple of times a week to uh, exercise. And I can tell you with absolute um, authority or maybe pain in my legs that if you leave our house and you cycle to the uh, old railway viaduct over the river in Wylam and back home again that is an 18 mile round journey and I thought that I would take a week to recover the first time we did it I promise you but anyway it's quite a way I don't know if this guy had a horse or he had a chariot if he walked it would have taken him at least seven hours to get to Jesus but he went he got to Jesus he believed that Jesus could help him now this man was desperate it tells us in the passage his son was near death and I don't know if any of you have ever been in that situation but if you remember our story you'll know that we faced something similar in our own family when our daughter Caris was just 15 months old her kidneys totally failed they just stopped working she had complete kidney failure and she was too young at the time for a kidney transplant you can't do those in babies and she was too young as well for hemodialysis to be effective and so the only way to clear up all the toxins in her body was to to put a tube in her abdomen and do something we call peritoneal dialysis to sort of wash out the toxins and she'd been receiving this treatment for about a week nothing was really making any difference her kidneys were still failing and um it all she began to develop sepsis all her other organs were beginning to uh, fail as well and i thought she was going to die to be honest and we were really desperate 
and uh, maybe you, you, you don't know the desperation it feels like to have a sick child unless you've been in that situation. But this guy was desperate. His son was near death. He went to Jesus, he begged him and implored him to help him. Now, Jesus's first response in this passage used to always puzzle me a little bit. You would perhaps expect that Jesus would reach out to this desperate father in compassion and straight away heal the son. And that is the end result. But actually, first, Jesus asks him a question in verse 43. He kind of says, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Maybe he was asking that to the crowd as well. There were, maybe there were other people there too. But he asks this question. Now, remember, Jesus has come as the saviour of the world. He's come as the Messiah. He's come to bring us forgiveness from sin and bring us back into a relationship with God. It was always God's intention to have a relationship with his people, yeah. right from when he walked in the garden with Adam before sin spoiled everything. And so if you like, the miracles that Jesus does, they're, they're almost extras. They're like the icing on the cake. The cake is the possibility of a relationship with God. And in spite of this, Jesus realizes that many people would, were only going to follow him for what they could get out of him. They were only going to follow him for the miracles and the healing. But actually, he's looking for those who will follow him because we recognize him for who he is and we love him and we want to follow him and we want to serve him. So there was a study a few years ago in America and they looked at the spiritual beliefs of young people in America, not just Christians. They looked at uh, Christian young people, people brought up in Christian homes, just all the young people. It was a big study and they found that they're actually young people today have five common spiritual beliefs. Wow. And these are what they tend to believe. If you ask them, you could try asking people in England. I, I think it would probably be similar. They believe there's a God who probably set the world in motion and watches over it. They believe that this God wants us to be kind and nice to people in the world. They believe that the goal in life is for us to be happy and feel good about ourselves. And they believe that God doesn't really need to be involved in our everyday life unless we need something. And they believe that good people will go to heaven. That's what uh, most young people today believe about spiritual matters. God is just some kind of benign figure that they call upon when they need something. He's like a sort of heavenly butler or servant, if you like. And that's what Jesus is really talking about here. It was the same then as it is now. He's saying, don't just believe in me for what you can get out of me. Don't just turn to me when you want something. He wants a proper relationship with each one of us, with me, with you. He wants us to know him. Now, Jesus obviously recognizes something about this man's faith and sees his heart. And the guy isn't put off by Jesus's question. He isn't offended. He pleads with Jesus again. He pushes in. And don't be afraid to get passionate with God when you're in prayer. Don't be British when you pray. It's okay to be fervent with God. Here's the thing. God cannot answer the prayers that we don't pray. 
I'll say that again. God cannot answer the prayers that we don't pray. Many times we, we neglect to actually ask him and talk to him and uh, pray those prayers, but he can't answer what you don't pray. So this man begs Jesus to go with him and help him, but Jesus says, go back home, your son will live. And that's my second point. First, he came believing. And second, he left receiving. The man believed what Jesus said to him and he started off home. He took action on the basis of God's promise to him, on the basis of what Jesus said to him. And he later found out that at exactly the moment that Jesus spoke those words, his son's fever broke and the child began to recover. The miracle happened for him. And in fact, we later read his whole family began to follow Jesus as a result of this event. And uh, in further on in the Gospels, you can read about how some of the, the wives of the palace officials also followed Jesus around and began to support his ministry, giving financially and supplying him with food and, and so on. And so who knows, this guy's wife maybe was one of those women who later followed Jesus uh, in his ministry. Well, there are many accounts in the Gospels of Jesus doing amazing things. You know, we read of him opening deaf ears, blind eyes. Clive spoke last week about the lepers who were healed and so on. But this story is truly amazing. It's just a sh short account, but it's actually really important. Why is this story different from many of the other Gospel stories that we read where Jesus does a miraculous healing. It, this one is a first. Why? Well, it's not only the first time that we read of Jesus uh, carrying out a, a miraculous supernatural healing in the Gospels, it's actually the first time ever that we read about Jesus doing something supernatural from a distance, bringing a healing from a distance. He wasn't actually with the child when the child recovered, and yet that miracle happened. And uh, this is the thing that's so amazing for us. It can bring us real mm. confidence and assurance. Jesus doesn't have to be physically present, even in Bible times, for a miracle to right. happen. And that is true for us today. Yeah. It's true for us now. Jesus may not be physically present with us on this earth, but you can still receive yeah. from him you can still receive something supernatural from him. He can still touch your life. He can still send healing, blessings, provision into your home, just as he did here in the passage to the home of the government official yeah. here. He will hear your prayers and act upon them. If you pray, he hears. I was thinking earlier in the week about uh, Pastor Reinhard Bonnke. Most of you uh, may have heard of him, but he, if you haven't, he was a German evangelist. He was used by God to go all over the world and bring the gospel to people, connect them with Jesus and bring uh, amazing healing miracles and, and all sorts of things into their lives. 
and uh, he actually died last November. But if he had been alive today, this Sunday would have been his 80th birthday. Wow. It was actually his birthday today, his 80th birthday. So I was thinking about him earlier in the week. And a few years ago, Clive and I had the privilege of meeting uh, Pastor Reinhard Bonke. We were sat next to him at a wedding reception, so we had the whole meal to talk to him. Wow, what a wonderful opportunity that was. And um, the thing that always strikes me when I talk to people, you know, we see these uh, men of God, perhaps up on the stage in some uh, meeting or whatever. But what fascinates me is often the backstory, the bit you don't hear when they're up there on the stage. And um, you may not know all of Pastor Reinhardt's story, but the bit that really moved me was about his childhood and seeing how God had answered the prayers of a desperate mother and had had his hand on his Reinhardt's life throughout his childhood. So let me just fill you in a little bit at the end of this message. Reinhardt Bonnke was born in 1940 in a place called East Prussia. Now, East Prussia uh, is up on the Baltic Sea. You can check this out on a map later if you like. And it was an enclave of Germany. So it used, it was Germany, but it was separated from the rest of Germany by a corridor on the west there was, and south there was Poland, and on the east there was Lithuania, and above was the Baltic Sea. So it was Germany, but it was totally separate from the rest of Germany. Today, it's actually Kaliningrad. It's part of Russia. So if, if Reinhard Bonnke had been born 10 years later, he would have been born into communist Russia. That's a thought, isn't it? Anyway, he was born in East Prussia and uh, his parents were believing Christians and his father was conscripted into the German army and so was away from home, leaving his mother to bring the children up. And in 1945, as the war was coming to it, its end, uh, Reinhardt's father sent a message home to his mother, Meta. You've got to get the children out. You've got to flee now. The, the Russians are closing in and this is your last chance to get out. And she was desperate. She called out to God. She, uh, the only way out of East Prussia was to go to the coastal port of Danzig and get a boat overseas. And she had six small children and she had to make that journey on foot. She had an 11-year-old boy a nine-year-old boy, six-year-old twins, five-year-old Reinhardt, and a three-year-old little girl. And there she was, desperate, calling out to God for help. She had to make the journey on foot with whatever those children and she could carry between them. And there were many perils on the journey. And they realized that the Russians had control of the road that led to the port. They couldn't go on the road. And the only way to get to the port was across the frozen bay. The, it was you know, brutal winters in that part of the world and the bay would freeze over such that you could even drive a vehicle over. But this was the end of winter and the ice was beginning to be quite perilous. So uh, she called out to God to help her. And when they got to the bay, uh, they realized that the ice was indeed beginning to break up a little. And on top of that, the Russians were flying planes overhead and strafing the people trying to cross the ice to safety. She was desperate. So she called out to God to send her that miracle, to send the miracle to her family and protect her children. And, and a miracle happened for her. A great fog descended on wow. the area over the river. And so the planes couldn't fly. They were hidden from Russian sight and they made their way safely over that river to the port of Danzig. When they got there, they found the boat they had booked passage on had already sailed. They didn't know what to do. And they, they had to call out to God again and again to help them 
And they found, in fact, that the boat they should have been on was torpedoed and, and sunk with the loss of every life on board. So uh, God somehow kept this family safe and they eventually made it out to Denmark. Um, and uh, you, you can read the rest of the story, if you like, in Pastor Reinhardt's autobiography. He writes about it. It's called Living a Life of Fire. And you can get it on Amazon or on Kindle if you want to read more of it. But I, I just wanted to share that with you because I was so touched as I heard it for the first time and then remembering it this week of how God answers desperate prayers, how he comes and meets us. And so today I just want to encourage us that uh, God hears us. He can send that help, that, that whatever it is you need right into your home today. If you call out to him, if we pray the prayer, he will answer. He can't answer the prayer. We don't pray. So my encouragement today is for you to call out to God, to ask him for whatever it is you need. I don't know what you need today. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need financial provision at this time. Maybe you're looking for some relationships and your family to be restored or for there to be peace in your home. Maybe you need Jesus to still a storm for you or move a mountain. I don't know. But go to him. Tell him you love him. Tell him you believe in him and ask him to send you that help. Maybe you're listening and you feel you've treated God a little bit like the people in uh, the time of the story who really only went to Jesus for what they could get out of him. Maybe when I was listing the spiritual beliefs of young people in America today, you were thinking, well, that's not far from what I believe. God's not really very present in my life every day. I kind of treat him a bit like this heavenly servant to turn to when I need something. But he wants you to enjoy fellowship with him and to know him every single day. Maybe you've never known God as your father. You've never come to him and put your life in his hands and trusted in his saving grace and in his wanting to adopt you into his family. So I want to pray for us today as I close this message and we're going to sing again. I'm going to hand back to Clive, but I want to pray for us. And maybe you're in one of those three categories as I pray. So can I ask you, first of all, if you've never made uh, a commitment to follow Jesus, if you've never turned to him and said, I believe you died for me and I believe that you want me to put my life in your hands and that you're going to rescue me and that I'm going to follow you. I want to pray for you, first of all. And so if you would shut your eyes and pray with me, I'm going to get Clive to repeat after me and you can do the same thing. Yeah. We're going to pray right now for you. Yes. And this is the prayer we're going to pray. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I come to you today. I want to say. I want to say. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for me. To bring me back into a relationship with God the Father. To bring me back into a relationship with God the Father. To forgive my sin. To forgive my sin. To cleanse my past. To cleanse my past. To give me a fresh start in you. To give me a fresh start in you. I believe. I believe. You want to adopt me into your family. You want to adopt me into your family. To make me a son or daughter of God. To make me a son or daughter of God. And today. And today. I ask you. I ask you. Come into my life. Come into my life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you. 
I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you've never prayed it before, yes. you've done something very special. Yeah. The Bible calls it being born again. It's like having a fresh start yeah. in life. And so can I encourage you uh, to connect with us, to tell us what you've done. We're going to put our email up on the screen again so that you can drop us a line and tell us yeah. uh, that you prayed that prayer for the first yeah. time today. And we will get in touch with you and help you. And then I want to just pray uh, two other short prayers here. And the first is if you feel that maybe God's become that kind of heavenly butler at, at a distance and that you perhaps you only turn to him when you want something. I want to pray for us. And if that's let's all put our hands on our hearts and you will know if you're responding in heart to this. You don't have to repeat after me. I'm just going to pray for us all today. Mm, thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for every one of us that feels a little distant from you that you're far off or that you've not, we've not really involved you in our life every day, Lord. Please forgive us for treating you like someone just to do the things we want, Lord. We want to have our first love back. Yes. We want to fall in love with you yes. again. We want to be close to you. We thank you that you yes. offer us that possibility, yes. that, that opportunity to have a real relationship with you. Come to our homes today, Jesus. Come yes. to our hearts today. As we come close to you, will you come close to us as you promise in the scripture? Stir us up again. Give us back that first love in, in Jesus, name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And maybe you're listening today and you're in that third category I mentioned. You've got some need uh, in your home, in your family, in your finances or in your health. And we just want to pray for you today as we close as well. If you've got a Bible, why don't you uh, pick that up or put your hand, put your hand on it. Or if you've got a phone and you're reading the scripture from that, put your hand on your phone. Because these are God's promises in here. This is him speaking to us like he spoke to the royal official and said go home your son's going to be well there are promises in here yeah, for yeah, you right. today and so i'm going to pray lord yeah. i pray that all your promises would be yes and amen to yeah, us at this right. time lord we pray yeah. that we would find treasures yes. in your word promises that we can yes. stand on at this time yeah. i pray that whatever the needs there are in this meeting today Lord, spread out across our city or even our nation, Lord. We come to you saying we believe. Yes. Just like that royal official, we come to you believing. Thank and you. Lord, I pray that we would go receiving, that you would minister to us, that you would answer our prayer, that you would send a healing, send a help, send a blessing to our homes and to each one of us this very day in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen.